Welcome to another PI World podcast. This is an audio-only version offered as another way to enjoy our great content. A full video version can be seen on piworld.co.uk, where you can find many more videos of interest to investors. Good morning, everyone. Thanks for taking the time to meet with Paddy and I. As ever with these things, some people will obviously will have know a little bit about ActiveOps, but I will kick off with a little bit of introduction to the company for those of you who haven't met us before. And then we'll talk more about the, the results of the year and then the outlook. So quickly, a uh, reminder of ActiveOps, we're a global operation. We have two revenue streams, SaaS and uh, some services, primarily to support installation and establishment within our client organizations. We're global, spread across primarily an Anglo audience in South Africa, India, Australia, and North America, as well as EMEA. And we operate in out of the seven offices. Our customer base are banks, institutions, insurance companies, and, and, and effectively anywhere where there's large amounts of administration related to sort of transactional work. That's been our heartland for, for many, many years. We solve a very simple problem, which is incredibly complicated to do in practice, which is with all the complexity and variety in large, or large back offices, there's a lot of teams doing lots of different things. And whilst theoretically there's potential economies of scale, that's very hard for organizations to realize in practice. And ActiveOps provides a solution. We provide the metrics, the management, uh, such that, that essentially diverse teams, diverse managers, management operations can integrate together and to, can ultimately make the best of their capacity. And as such, it's an overlay to many of the other sources of automation and uh, methods of improving productivity because it gives organizations control. And I'll come on to why that is uh, turning out to be quite a strong theme for the moment uh, and a little bit later. But the combination of our software and that embedded operational simple management rhythm provides very large corporations with, with the power to leverage their capacity in a much more consistent way. And the outcome of that is better productivity, but probably more importantly, it's the capability to then execute the other things they want to do. So it's, it's very much a layer within the sort of elements of the things that they need to deliver their digital transformations. So turning to our year, I think clearly started by the move to the public markets this time last year, it's been a transformational year for the business. Primarily the underlying strength of the model it's come through very, very well. I think our SaaS you know, continues to be the, the basis of a, a very, very secure business. Gross margins as strong as ever, uh, very healthy revenue uh, margins on the, the T&I. So, so sort of an operating level cash, as we'll come on to, Paddy will talk about, uh, remains very, very strong with Generate. Um, but I think more importantly, and as I look at the year, we, we, we've laid down many of the elements of our strategy, which you'll see us well in the future. I mean, logo growth has been strong. We've had significant expansion across, you know, across the regions. But we've also done many of the other things that essentially will see us through. In particular, regional development. So we've talked a lot in the past, and our model is tends to establish within a customer. They then see the value of that consistency of, of managing their operations, which leads to an expansion phase. So that land and expand model, I think we've seen good success in a number of our customer bases and continue into this year, which while our outlook's looking so confident. But we've also got the depth with the, the work IQ product now being adopted by some of our existing control IQ customers. So uh, around a particular theme, that's that's proven to be a, we have the, the use case that, that, that we can use to, to, to grow that across different customers. So that kind of uh, core expansion of our customer base. We've got the new products coming through in terms of our, our code base so that we can build and expand software more effectively. We can respond to customer needs um, more and more efficiently. 
And in particular, our machine learning uh, team has been established this year, which is unlocking a new key of revenue for us or a new, new driver for growth, which is that the machine learning. With using our the, the data we have, applying the sort of machine learning, we're now able to do some very clever things around forecasting work. And, and forecasting is really the key because essentially the more, more an advanced organizations can be about what's going to happen, the more agile and more able they are to respond to their market need. In a slightly different dimension on the sales front, we've also been developing our relationship with a number of partners, which is proving to be, I think, uh, both deliver some results in the year, but more importantly, it will deliver a lot of growth. Uh, highlighting here the Microsoft one, that has been tactically very useful in terms of sales with sales support from Microsoft, but also now that the products are on the Azure marketplace, it's also a channel. Uh, and so we've got a number of uh, activities in the, in the pipeline here, which are effectively driven, driven through that. So all in all, we're, we're, we're very excited about um, and you know, effectively where we've got to in the course of this year, notwithstanding the broad, broader context. I mean, it, we are a, we're a safe and, and, and secure business with the, uh, um, the, the model. And I think, Paddy, you know, it'd be good to, you know, if you pick up on some of the actual financial results. Thanks, Richard. So good morning, everyone. Um, firstly, starting with the, the SaaS model that we have and the annual recurring revenue customer base. So you can see the ARR there has grown by 10% over the same period over March last year. The top 10 customers have grown by 15% and eight out of those 10 have all expanded. And they're now accounting for just under 60% of our total ARR for the group, which is up one point from 59 at the end of last year. Net revenue retention remains positive at 102%. Slightly below where we were last year, but as you'll remember, the productivity improvements that we deliver for our customers does in some cases result in a lower number of users. So we're, we're going to see a natural small attrition through that. We have lost a couple of customers, one of which was due to an outsource of a customer, and we hope that that will lead to a positive engagement with that outsourcer in the future as we look to win back that account. Encouragingly, though, the top 40 accounts for the business at the end of March 22 have expanded by 19% for ARR. There's five new entrants into that list, uh, showing that the, the newer customers that we're getting this year are of good size, significant size, and also 22 expansions across previous customers that we've had. So really reinforcing the, the land and expand, expand model that we have there and the strength of the SaaS model um, in the customer base. If I just move on to the P&L, here you can see top line growth of 12%. For total revenue, with TNI revenues increasing significantly at just over 30% as we move on from the impact of COVID in the first half of the year in 21. Gross margins have remained stable at the top level, a one-point reduction, and that's primarily due to the relative increase of the lower margin trading and implementation revenue stream that we have. If we break it down into the two product streams that we have, you've got the SaaS margins, a two-point reduction in SaaS margin, and that's as we've invested in the customer support area for our business, uh, for our customers, and um, to make sure that they're getting good, good levels of support. And that investment steps as we grow. So investment in 22, you don't expect to see investment in 23 in the margins coming back to where they were previously. And then very strong TNI margins in the year at 58%. We were able to use our Indian delivery team on a remote basis, so low-cost delivery team on a remote basis to complete deliveries in some of our higher-cost jurisdictions in, in the UK and the likes, and that gave very, very strong margins in that area, as well as the remote delivery model proving more uh, effective and efficient um, in terms of uh, getting the best use out of our resources there. As we've previously talked about, the T&I revenues and margins can vary 
uh, quite a lot depending on the mix of customer implementations we have and where we where we put those. So we don't expect the 58% to be uh, the same next this coming year. Um, it'll vary as we move forward. There has been additional investment in operating costs of 2.6 million. I'll talk more about that on the next slide. And that's given us an adjusted EBITDA, uh, a broadly break even for the year, uh, which is a very strong result from our perspective. There've been exceptional costs of half a million relating to a transaction that we were looking at back in March that didn't complete at that time. Obviously, funding from the markets was very, very challenging back in March, so uh, unable to move that one forwards. You can see share-based payments coming into the PL and those related to the long-term incentive plans that we put in place at the IPO with depreciation and amortization remaining broadly flat. If I move on to the EBITDA bridge, and you can see, obviously, as revenues increase, the margins from SaaS and TNI revenue streams goes up as well. We've put significant investment into the sales and marketing arena. We've got new sales heads in all of our regions, incremental investment in marketing as well, and driving growth going forwards. And then further expansion of the product and technology development team as well, enable us to deploy new features faster. And as Richard mentioned, that new team of data scientists uh, providing further insight uh, and development for the product roadmap as well. Um, we have capitalized 0.4 million of R&D spend in the year. As you'll be aware, the requirements from a, an IFRS perspective look to do that, and we do expect that to increase as we move forward. Looking at our plans going forwards, clearly wage inflation is out there, and we're looking to balance the impact of inflation on our employees as well as on the business. Um, that will be partly offset by the inflation clauses that we have in our existing customer base that we will look to pass inflation on to customers as well. As I said, the TNI revenues and margins do remain variable and likely to return to year-end 21 levels. And travel as well is picking up to pre-pandemic levels and um, was, was moving towards that at the end of last year. And we expect that to, to continue in year-end 23. Um, clearly, the full-year impact of the headcount we've invested in year-end 22 comes through in year-end 23. Um, and that'll, uh, whilst we don't expect headcount to increase so as fast in year in 23, that gives us the operational leverage in the business that we've previously discussed, such that by the end of year in 23, we expect to be moving to a positive EBITDA run rate as we exit in March next year. And then if I just move on to the balance sheet, the balance sheet remains very strong. Uh, we're debt free. We've got over 30 million of cash in the bank. And we have very strong inflows of cash in the second half of the year, um, with a, giving us a positive cash flow to EBITDA for the year. The only thing to note in the cash flow is, you might remember at IPO, we, uh, the, the previous share options were exercised and sold by members of the team. That had a cash inflow prior to the year end, including taxes that were due to the tax authorities at three and a half million. Those taxes were paid out to the authorities in the month of April last year giving that one unusual uh, exceptional item, if you like. But apart from that, a very clean cash flow and balance sheet. Uh, and we're, you know, from a financial perspective, we're in a very strong position um, and very optimistic about the future. And with that, I'll pass back to Richard to take you through where we are on strategy. Thanks, buddy. Um, I wanted to highlight two or three things, I think, which are the reasons why we're sort of motoring at the moment. Um, firstly, if you think about the context of the world of work, We've always been effectively about how people orchestrate, manage their resources. And the effect of COVID was to break so many of the existing systems organisations had for doing just that, because they effectively had been established for years based on people's presence. 
We've all been hearing so much about hybrid working and the like. We've heard about wellness and so on. All those things now are absolutely demanding of both data, but also capability. It's one thing to have information, but what do you do with it? How do team leaders, operational leaders, actually look after people and, and manage their work activities when they are at home? It's a combination of data, but also the, the mechanics. How? When do we meet? What do we talk about? How do we plan ahead? And that, of course, is absolutely speaks to ActiveOps's fundamental offer. And that, and that for in itself, if nothing else, for our existing customers, it's had a hugely positive confirmatory effect on on how valuable our data and our process is for them. But, but more importantly, it's created a pain point for people who don't have ActiveOps. But there's a second effect I can see we, we can see coming up as well, which is the dreaded R word or recession. ActiveOps is all about effectively sweating the assets. It's making sure you're capitalizing on the investments you already have to do the best you can within the constraints, as it were, of your organization. And so in prior periods of, of pressure, let's say, we've always found a very healthy demand for active ops because it plays to the theme of let's simply circle the horses as wagons, as it were, and, 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 and do what we can within the constraints of our operational businesses. And active ops has is, is, is got a hugely compelling sort of offer in that respect. So I think that conjunction of two things is part of the contribut contribution to, the, to the, um, the outlook that we, we're feeling in both in terms of pipeline, but also it's the internal dynamics within our customers, which is turning this kind of operational efficiency control agenda to the higher levels of the board table. And it suddenly becomes more accessible and it's, and it's more exciting, perhaps, or perhaps just more pragmatic than some of the other issues. And some of that is coming through, I think, in things like the Gartner table, you can see on the right there, where this concern about how to manage people, the well-being, and so on agenda is very much playing to that. And that's part of the reason we're pushing our products outwards in, in our customer brain around things like the casework IQ, which, which I'll talk about. So, so the context for the problem we solve, the, the pain is increasing, and, and that has a corresponding improvement to if you like, the accessibility of our solution or the demand for our solution. Picking up a little bit more then, so take it on the market. This is a picture some of you will have seen before. We're very clear on where we focus, not because there isn't a lot more out there, but at the end of the day, we're not constrained by target addressable market. There are plenty of people with large numbers, plenty of organizations with large numbers of people where productivity needs to be managed carefully. We've focused on the banks and the related ecosystem around them of, of, of business process outsources, insurance and healthcare and so on. But what we're now doing is looking at particular types of issues. So the big one of the moment in for a lot of banks is financial crime. You've probably all seen reports in the papers about the consequences of getting it right or wrong. Um, but just highlighting at the moment, you imagine the sensitivity in sanctions processing if, if completely sort of um, untoward, you know, things that should have got trapped don't get trapped. The political and uh, financial consequences is very high. So there's an extremely high level of, of anxiety, you know, oversight and, and, and effort and resource expenditure going into financial crime prevention and administration in, in, in the clearing, in the big, in the banks. And that's true across the world. It's not a, it's not a regional issue. So Casework IQ in this particular case is, is suitable to, we've developed this product which extends the use of this kind of method and system we have to the knowledge worker, the case managers, and in particular around financial crime. And that's proving, firstly, in a very, very effective solution. So we've had some cracking sales in that respect to our existing customer base, but it's a very clearly articulated value proposition to our existing customers to sell on. And so that kind of niche marketing to our existing customer base, where we have an existing relationship, is, I think, um, uh, something that we, we can see a lot of a lot happening in the course of this year. It's early days. We only launched the product formally last month, but we've been prepping the market with our customers in the lead into that 
And I, said, I look forward to being able to report more in the course of the half years um, in, in October or November when we, when we talk next. Looking a little bit more regionally, EMEA has been our uh, very strong region. Um, there's a significant expansion across a number of accounts, particularly our, I say our existing accounts. Uh, we, we don't disclose actual, actual customer numbers, but, but some of our, our, the well-known brands that we've talked about are, are, are using ActiveOps very, very thoroughly and expanding in a number of areas. And into some interesting different areas. I've touched on financial crime, but we've also got pilots running in, in branch-related activity in, in, in some of our banking customers where there's a, there's a real issue around how do we start to present customer, you know, we need to have staffing in branches sufficient to cut, manage the customer demand of walk-ins, but we can't just put phone calls in to soak up the capacity because that's a, an immediate task. But back office work, if it can be blended into, the, into that kind of customer facing activity, can be put to one side if a customer walks up. Sounds easy in practice, really complicated to do when you've got thousands of branches. And that's exactly, again, the sort of problem that ActiveOps can solve. So we've got a lot, of, a lot of activity in Europe. That's a real area of growth for us. Then if we look across at North America, as you will have seen from Paddy's area, it was, a, it was our highest growing region last year, and we are continuing to be developing that market strongly. We're seeing a lot of demand for the, for the WorkIQ product, which is this more of a sort of data collection device. But of course, the exciting piece then is, is against the, the, we've talked about Anthem and Humana and a number of other the big healthcare environments, um, is cross-selling that to ControlIQ. Now, we've been on this particular uh, agenda for a while, but I think that has been one of the impacts of COVID with the noise and fragmentation. Uh, we haven't been able to progress with our control IQ deployments in the last two years, perhaps as, as, as um, you know, they haven't made as much progress. But as I speak, you know, today, we've got three major pilots being commissioned, and, and it's always been the intention. There's never been any dispute about the value. And so, again, I'm looking forward to that sort of cross-sell of the control IQ product to our work IQ product. Um, in the course of this year. On the other side of the fence, work IQ into existing control IQ products is, is all, is, has made more progress. On the right there, you can see one example of a, a very strong North American customer of ours, which is now using work IQ. And there's some fantastic results. There's a, there's a webinar by uh, um, the TD Bank um, uh, organizer or, or owner of the product um, on, available on LinkedIn now, which you, you can see. But she talks very, very clearly about the value to them of having this visibility, both of the sort of what people are doing, when they are, but also how it contributes. And let's be clear, they introduced it on a well-being agenda, making sure their, their staff working from home weren't being overloaded. So I think that kind of example uh, is proving extremely valuable when we go to other parts of the region, South Africa, Australia, with that sort of case study to, to make it clear about that uh, those kind of benefits. So North America remains a key area of growth for us. The, 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 the scale, even in the last quarter, again, we, we, we're seeing significant new, new logo sales coming through. And, and again, this, the intrinsic scale of the US, I think, makes it a very attractive market for us. Just finally, on the strategy piece, just a quick touch on the machine learning. ActiveOps has got extraordinary amounts, high amounts of data, but it's essentially transactional. But what we're now doing using some of the power of, of frankly, the, Azure, the Microsoft Azure and the machine learning environments is to convert that back into greater and more powerful insights. So the one example I'll cite is we've introduced this to some of the forecasting. At the moment, a team leader will develop a plan using our software, and that will enable the, you know, the different managers to integrate their activities for next week much more effectively. But it does rely on the quality of the planning by that team leader with all the value of now, in, 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 with ActiveOps's new machine learning, essentially all that's taken away. So the system will generate the forecasts and plans, which can be moderated by the team leaders. 
our our pilot in South Africa seemed to suggest that that actually increased the bandwidth. It gave them plans and solutions that were done better um, to the level of a sort of um, uh, you know that sort of twenty to sixty five percent improvement in, in their confidence, which translated into one and a half persons extra capacity per team per week. So if you extrapolate that across a, a NatWest or a Barclays, that's a phenomenal increase in capacity through that machine learning. So we are very excited about that. I think this will be an area you'll hear me talk more about in the future, but it's essentially building on that resource base we have of, of now 15 years worth of, of real transactional data that's buried in the ActiveOps data set. So again, lots more to talk about in the future on that one. I think just to uh, turn to the other side of the equation, Paddy, perhaps you'd like to talk a bit about our, um, our ESG. Yeah, certainly. Thanks, Richard. Um, so, you know, fundamentally, the, the, the purpose of simplifying the run of operations that supports the ESG and agenda, not only in how customers manage their operations, but also the positive impact it has on the well-being of their teams. And Richard gave you the TD Bank example in the US, where they've specifically put in place Work IQ to help manage the working patterns of their teams and provide make sure they're doing the right thing for their employees. But more specifically within the business, we've developed a more formal structure to the work that we were doing before uh, in this area. We've adopted the GRI framework um, where it's appropriate for the business. Um, within the environmental section, the single most uh, impactful area, if you like, is, is our hosting footprint. Uh, we host our customer base and our software on the Microsoft Azure platform. I'm sure you know that is a carbon neutral platform um, from the point of view of, of, of emissions. Uh, and we're also, and we have also established our baseline uh, for the, our other key area of travel um, for a carbon footprint, um, where we're baselining that so we can understand what we're using in that area to enable us to take positive action as we move forward. In the social area, we've maintained a very solid employee engagement score of four, and that's despite a, an increased participation rate, which sometimes can lead to a drop-off. We'll also be publishing the diversity data of the business in the annual report, which you'll see come out shortly. And from a charity perspective, for example, in the US, we've uh, support, been supporting a charity called Brighter Tomorrow, and they're focused on providing a safe shelter for victims of domestic violence and assault. In Amir, as well as the uh, charitable work that the team has been doing, we've also been directly supporting employees and their families in India and Africa, uh, where COVID had a particularly difficult impact. For example, in India, as you may recall from the news, it was difficult to get hold of oxygen. Uh, and uh, you know, we were directly supporting our, our, our team members over there um, with that uh, through financial support and the same in Africa. And then from the governance perspective, we've continued to develop and enhance the policies and procedures that we have. And we've embedded the formal audits, remuneration and nominations subcommittees into the governance structure that we have for the business. So good progress, clearly plenty more to do, um, but uh, the ESG agenda forms one of, the, one of the cornerstones of the business. Thank you, buddy. It's worth a note on one of the other infrastructure things that have, have cropped up is um, SOC2. Some of you who probably never been enjoyed the, the, the benefit of this. As a, as a SaaS company, clearly data security is critical. In the US, we are um, working for a lot of healthcare providers and uh, where, where HEPA rules are very, very stringent around protection of personal data. And I'm really pleased with this year, are we, you know, we've got our SOC2 uh, process um, uh, nailed, and that is something which, frankly, not a lot of companies do. You know, it is it's a lot of lot of things, uh, you know, a lot of work to get that. A bit like um, ISMS and the like, and that I think is a, is a testament to the integrity of the ActiveOps because the customers we deal with demand that. Um, so, so again, when I talk about the sort of layers, the, the platform of, of different elements that we've got in place, 
I think succeeding with that is just one other example of some of those foundational elements that's perhaps not that visible, but makes a massive difference when it comes to uh, the trading activities and the ability to sell. So then looking at the, um, the outlook, I hope you're picking up from the, the, the tone of this conversation. We're a very, very bullish, I think, combination of market context. It's creating more pain to the issue we've solved, the context for this, the, the outcomes we deliver, again, is very, very strong. And we're seeing that in the Q1. So Q1 trading has been very strong. It's been against our expectations. There's a sort of nuance to that. Our, our, our revenues are, are multi-currency. Our costs are also in currency. So essentially, it's the margin that we make in regions that comes back to the to the UK PL. And with the with the weakness of the pound, that's contributed in, in a positive way to uh, you know when we've got lots of dollar earnings uh, that helps PL. But in fact, at an underlying level, trading's been very strong. So so the teams are busy. The revenues uh, are, are are strong, and, and we're having a you know we've had a, a healthy first quarter against our expectations. So Paddy's talked a bit about our expectations for the year, but we're certainly on track in terms of our EBIT target. And then, as I alluded to, the launch of Casework IQ, I think we've got a cracking pipeline of customers coming through that way. So on a running basis, the, the effects of the last year and, and as the market context, I would say active ops as a, as a, a trading company has, has never been stronger and it's looking really good. Uh, for, for, for where we're at, despite, if you like, the, the broader ups and downs of the, of the share price market and, and the reflection of tech stocks. Um, you know, it's for others to make their choice, but uh, but we certainly internally are very excited. You know, we, we're just feeling feeling um, confident about where we're at at the moment. PI World videos and podcasts are for general information and interest. They do not constitute any kind of recommendation or inducement to buy shares of any company. PI World is not offering any kind of financial advice and nothing in our material should be taken as such.